0: Welcome back to What's Up and What's Next podcast, the greatest podcast of all times. And today I'm joined by a very special guest. He is someone who overcame the fear of public speaking and ended up creating a company out of it to help loads of other people around the world to overcome the fear of public speaking as well. Ladies and gentlemen, Danish Damani is in the building. Welcome, Danish. Hi, Rick. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you. How about yourself? Doing good. It's a great afternoon today.
0: Yes, it is. Thank you so much um, for taking the time and joining me today on the podcast. Really happy to have you. I want to start off by saying that you have like a really beautiful and inspiring story. And I'd like to get a bit more into it. So without further ado, could you tell us a bit more about your company All right.
1: So what is Orion? What is the story behind Orion? The story started when I was an engineer. I was in the meeting room, just given a presentation at work. And my manager pulled me aside and she's like, Danish, you can be the smartest engineer in the room, but if you don't know how to present confidently and clearly, you're putting a glass ceiling on your head. With that, you might never become a manager. You might not become a leader. And I got scared and I said, what should I do? And she recommended I join this public speaking club called Toastmasters, which I did. Went there religiously week after week and realized that this is actually a learnable skill. Anyone can learn how to speak more confidently and get power in their voice. And back at work, I was getting more buy-in for my ideas, more airtime with senior decision makers. And I said, this is a life-changing skill. This is a crucial skill that everyone needs to have. But I had gone through so many hoops to get here And there was nothing that was just a one-stop shop to helping you go from fear to being competent in this. And that is why we created this app, Ori, which is an AI speech coach that gives you instant personalized feedback on your communication skills and gives you personalized lessons on different areas of communication so that you can improve and sound more confident.
0: I've seen the app around and it's such a really cool mobile application. And, and the driving force behind it as well, the story you just said, is really powerful because public speaking is not as easy as it sounds or is not as easy as it may seem, even for people who naturally seem more confident at it. And it's great that that is like helping so many people around. And it's like just so cool that you have that on-demand feedback in your pocket from your phone telling you what to improve, how can you improve, and many of the features that Ori provides, which I find that are really, really cool. So everyone, please go check out Ori on the mobile stores. I'm sure you'll find it. The thing I want to talk about is communication because communication is key, and communication is a lot more than what people give credit for. So to start off that question, what is communication
1: to you? Which is a very broad question indeed because... Depending on who you ask, communication is different. For me, at least, it is someone speaking and someone listening, and then there being some sort of a back and forth. And I'm going to repeat that, speaking and listening. Many times people think communication is just speaking. That's why the term public speaking. But there is so much more to communication, and listening is the half of it. And so, for me, improving someone's communication skills revolves around both the visual, the verbal, and the listening aspects.
0: Listening being a key one, right? Because listening is not just
1: hearing someone out, it's also understanding. Isn't that right? That's right. Because many times when errors happening happen in listening, most of the time it's about misunderstanding. It's not like you didn't hear the other person, it's just, you didn't hear what they actually meant to say that leads me to my next
0: question we see communication as that global tool for us and that's the natural thing as we grow up we develop these skills of communications however good they are but now we've come to a time where we have different environments in which we communicate whether that be in person whether that be remotely especially right now recently with the increased In remote working, which obviously led to an increase in remote communication. What do you see as the differences between in person communication and remote communication?
1: And are there any benefits or challenges associated with them? There are so many differences. One of the big ones is you're not looking into someone's eye, you're not seeing all their body language. And there's some research that says that 90% of communication is in body language. Some might disagree, but a big chunk is. So if you're sitting in front of someone, maybe in an in-person conference room, you're picking up on these visual cues, like are they attentive? Are they agreeing to what you're saying based on their nodding, based on their stance, based on the way they're leaning forward or leaning backwards? There are so many of these nuances that you may or may not pick up on a Zoom call, for example. So there's all of those differences. But of course, there are similarities. When you're on a Zoom call, a Webex call, or a Teams call, you can put everyone on a gallery view, and you're actually talking face-to-face, just like simulating a real environment. And there's so many kinds of those similarities, differences, that we could spend another 10 minutes just talking about that.
0: What is the biggest challenge here? And what is the biggest benefit? So is the biggest challenge the fact that we can't, We've now lost the non-verbal side of communication, which is body
1: language and everything associated with it. I would not classify it as a biggest challenge. It is one of the challenges because there are so many challenges, right? One of them is because it's so easy to have meetings on Zoom or on a virtual setting that people are now getting overloaded by meetings. There's something called Zoom fatigue. And that's when you have back-to-back 30 minute, 30 minute, 30 minute meetings throughout your day. The next thing you know, you just had your breakfast and it's 4.30 p.m. And what did you do? You just sat in meetings. So even though virtual tools have made it so easy to hop on a call with someone across the world from us, it has led to its own challenges of perhaps having too many of these meetings.
0: I agree. And I think people are becoming Zoom zombies, if that's a thing. And Mm -hmm. I'd I'd also say that because of those excessive back-to-back meetings, there's not enough time to actually digest what each meeting has actually touched upon. Because if you're constantly going from one meeting to the other and one meeting to the other, when do you actually find the time to digest the meeting you just had? You don't. So that is a recurring problem these days which is the excessive amount of meetings which probably leads to unproductive meetings why do you think that happens why do we think we have so many meetings and why why is it that not all of them are being productive right now
1: well one of the reasons is what you already mentioned you cannot expect someone to just remember what was the decision at the end of the 2 hours because it just gets overlapped between one meeting from another The other big thing that leads to unproductive meetings is not proper meeting facilitation. What I mean by that is imagine you have an agenda, but someone comes in and brings up something completely outside. And the next thing you know, the conversation has gotten derailed. You didn't achieve what you wanted to do on that agenda. And so the goal of this meeting is to schedule another meeting to talk about this thing that's increasingly happening. And I cannot stress the importance of having a meeting lead, uh, of having a meeting facilitator whose sole goal is to make sure that everything is in line. This meeting facilitator, think of them as like a mountain guide. They are the ones who know the destination. They know the route. They know the weather signs. They know how long the journey will take. And they just have to push the members in the right direction. Sometimes they'll tell them, hey, we need to walk a little bit faster. Or sometimes they tell them that, okay, we are done drinking water on this place. That's how meetings really need to run. So that's one one
0: possible solution, which is having that facilitator, which makes a lot of sense in in my view, because it makes it easier for the meeting to run smoothly. But now for just a second, let's say we don't have that key person. We don't have that facilitator that's there just for that purpose. Don't you think that should fall onto each other's individual responsibility to make sure the meeting is running to where it's meant to be running towards? And if if you agree with that, what best practices could you share on what each person can start doing to
1: optimize their meetings? Number one would be not to talk too long. In every (laughs) meeting room, there is someone who is the verbose person, someone who just takes a long time to say very little. And I think if that can be avoided, if everyone can limit themselves to 30 seconds, 60 seconds max, instead of putting out an entire essay or an entire paragraph, I think that's gonna be a great way to make sure that conversations don't get derailed. Just imagine, Eric, I'm with you, we're in a meeting and I talk for two minutes guarantee you, you will not remember the entire entirety of what I just said. You might go ahead and multitask and you might go on Slack. You might go and maybe catch up on one of those emails that you have had that you wanted to respond to. You might get to doing those. So I think one of the biggest, biggest ways I think meetings can be more productive is controlling the gargulous person who just talks. That's
0: self-control at uh, uh, its core. Cool. Let's talk about also having some sort of Plan. I don't think people are booking meetings and planning them correctly, which is why then what happens is what you just said earlier, which is, oh, okay, guys, we're out of time. Let's book a follow-up meeting to finish what we were meant to finish in the first meeting in the first place. So how can I or anyone else listening to this start planning properly how they want their their meetings to run so that it's just a, a very smooth
1: meeting and it's productive? and not unproductive. You're right. You can call that a plan. You can call that requirements of the meeting. You can call that objective of the meeting. You can call that questions needed to be answered in the meeting, whatever you call it. One word for that is agenda. A meeting needs to have agenda. And unless you have that clearly outlined, there's a grave danger that that meeting will be a waste of everyone's time. And if it's properly drawn up, it has the power of speeding and clarifying a meeting that very few people understand or harness its, its potential.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying on that. Given great tips so far. So we're talking about being more concise. We're talking about making sure everyone is aware that we're in this meeting to get everything that we want to get done in this meeting and making sure that there is a clear agenda that needs to go to for the meeting. And that at the end, if there are action points that everyone goes away and actually knows, what, what is actionable and what is not. Now, another problem with meetings, right? And there are so many problems with meetings, but another problem I'd like to, to, to point out is people often have meetings that didn't really need to be meetings in the first place and could have just been a simple email or a simple message. Why do you
1: think this happens and how can people improve on this? So Eric, you're very right. There are at least 30% of those meetings that are just to be given someone information. It's just there to talk about some updates that could have been in an email. It could have been a Slack message. It could have even been a recording of someone video sharing their screen and talking about those things. And someone could have played that back at 2x the speed and saved everyone's times. I think one of the biggest reason is as human beings, just there's this, there's this feeling of meeting people, of being social creatures. And I think meetings really satisfies that urge. And that's why people want to just talk through stuff, come together as groups, come together to talk about things. And maybe that might be one of those reasons. So with that
0: said, how can I as an individual look at the meeting that I am potentially about to schedule and realize whether or not that meeting does actually need to be a meeting or could just be a simple email or a simple message in a Teams chat or in a Slack group chat? How do I have
1: that potential to realize it? How do I do that? Great question. Let's say the first step for scheduling any meeting is to first have an agenda. And what I like to call a time-boxed agenda. So let's say you want to get X, Y, and Z done. You are anticipating as a meeting lead or a facilitator, you'll spend 10 minutes on the first item, five minutes on the next item and maybe 20 minutes on the next item. So let's say you have an agenda like that. If you're going in your mind, you will be talking for 10 whole minutes on a particular topic and you require no one to give you any information on that. That means that that first 10 minutes didn't require there to be a meeting. Right. That makes a lot of sense.
0: So because I've realized that, you know what, there's no input that is required on this point. is actually not something as valuable to have in an in-person or virtual meeting and could be
1: a simple update via another method of communication right exactly because what is a meeting a meeting is a discussion right it's not a one-way speech it's not a public speaking event it's a it's a discussion and the goal of the discussion is to move the business forward that is why meetings exist bad meetings are when they're boring they're circular they're unproductive discussions and one of the most unproductive discussion there can be is one person talking for the entire time that's the most unproductive discussion that person could have just sat in the office and talked to (laughs) themselves
0: yes i also i also would like to call that over discuss i feel like a lot of times what happens in meetings is you have say five points to go through and then you just spend an awful amount of time on point number two and sometimes that is required but sometimes it really isn't I feel like you sometimes and when I mean you I mean individuals sometimes over discuss certain things that could have been more more clear-cut and that's Another reason why meetings
1: also get derailed, like you said earlier. Exactly. That's what I mean by circular meetings. It just seems like we're going round and round in circles and not moving forward. Another analogy that I read was sometimes you you feel like you ran on a treadmill, but you didn't make any progress. You just kept running, running, running without doing anything.
0: That's a great analogy. Never heard that one. <laughs> That's the first. That's a great analogy. So then to wrap up, this meeting's topic. The last final tips, if you want to summarize this, and now let's just go, go back full circle and and just summarize it for everyone listening. What are the tips and best practices that you'd like to share for everyone to learn how to have good meetings? Which is the key. It's not just how to have meetings; it's how to have
1: good meetings. Number one, if you think your meeting is going to be just full of updates and information that requires no conclusion. It requires no decision. It requires no action in the meeting. Please don't schedule a meeting. Just send an audio recording, a video recording, and email a Slack message. Don't do update informational meetings. Only do meetings when you want to talk about what are the tasks to be done, and the other types of meetings in my mind are, how do you get those tasks done? Those are the only two big types of meetings that require a back and forth communication. That's big tip number one. Big tip number two is have an agenda. An agenda is a very clear requirement for the meeting. If you don't have it, there'll be a grave danger. There'll be a waste of everyone's time. And this agenda shouldn't just be bullet point that are just one word each. Don't just say development budget. That doesn't tell anybody anything. Make it very detailed. Make it at least a sentence long. So everyone beforehand, if they look at the agenda item, they already have their wheels turning before they get into the meeting and guarantee you will have better decision-making and collaboration in the meeting. So big tip number two, have a good agenda. Big tip number three, have a meeting facilitator. This facilitator is like your guide, the person who knows the destination, who knows the hurdles that are gonna come across the way And he knows how long it needs to take before you reach there. And they are guiding the discussion on whether we need to speed up, whether we need to slow down, whether we need to cut certain parts of the agenda, that's their goal. That's big tip number three. Big tip number four is, as individuals, we need to control being verbose. Don't take a long time to say very little. If you have the tendency, Then just have a piece of paper in front of you, write stuff down, and then be concise when you're talking about your point. And if there are people in the meeting who are not aware that they are very verbose, there are ways of actually stopping them. One one effective strategy to cut off someone or getting an excuse of cutting that person off is using one or two words that they use in the last sentence and just picking on that. For example, if someone is just speaking, 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 and they eventually talk about, so the marketing budget has been on a rise and we have been spending too much. And so just stop them there and say, spending too much? That's very interesting. Eric, do you agree with that? And pass on the baton to someone else. That's an effective way of stopping someone from talking in their track without being very rude. And I think one of the other ones that are also very important is making sure everyone's voice is heard. A lot of times, there's one or two people who take over the entire conversation. But research has shown, particularly one research that Google did on people's analytics to find out which teams are the most successful. They found that teams where each person in a meeting has equal airtime equal chance of speaking, were 50% more productive. So if you want your teams to be 50, 50% more productive, what do you do? Make sure that everyone's contribution is heard, particularly focusing on minority or female participants. Why? Because there is always that inclination of not getting their voices heard. You will see articles, even today's date, we're talking about 2020, where women will stand out and say that they felt that their voice was not heard. They will say that I get interrupted more than the men counterpart. Why is that the case? Why do we have that bias? We need to become aware of that and we need to solve for these things. And all these things that I'm talking about have existed for years. You can look at meeting research back from the 70s and 80s. These problems have been for decades and they have not yet been solved. And that really makes me question Is this a cultural thing, or can these problems really be solved? And my team has been taking an active approach, researching into this space, and trying to evaluate how can AI, how can technology assist us and make our meetings more effective, make our meetings more productive. And that's one new tool that we're actually working on, ORI for Meetings. Think of it as a meeting assistant that might join your meetings, that might listen into your meetings and look out for all of these things and give suggestions on how you can make your next meeting better. Give suggestions on how you can shave off five, 10 minutes from your recurring meeting moving forward and thereby saving everyone's time, making sure that your teams are more productive and making sure that Zoom fatigue doesn't happen.
0: Thank you so much. That was an amazing detailed, amount of tips that will be so valuable for everyone listening, including myself, and I'll take a lot of what you just said on, to reiterate just your last point, I think it's really important that everyone is included, because based on studies or not, one thing is for sure, the success of a team, in my opinion, will always be derived to the people, right? how involved people are how engaged people are because if someone doesn't feel like they are a part of or if someone doesn't feel like they belong then they won't put in as much and this is like a natural thing and it's just my opinion it doesn't have to be anyone else's opinion but I do I do agree with your point strongly about everyone being involved everyone getting a chance of getting their voice out will
1: increase productivity but also make a team more successful Exactly, and not only in that 30-minute meeting, but outside of that also. Because if you give someone a chance to speak up, then you are making them feel like they have that potential, they feel valued. And if you don't give them that chance to speak up, then that reduces their internal expectation and their internal potential of themselves. It actually stunts their growth. So you bring someone in can actually have immense, immense changes on their personal individual growth trajectory, but also on your teams.
0: This also raises another question in regards to meetings, which is like, people normally tend to have meetings and just invite every single stakeholder involved. My question here is, sometimes, not every single stakeholder needs to be a part of that meeting. So how can we start shifting the mindset in in the sense of like, if this person doesn't need to be in a meeting, then there shouldn't be an invite or or it should be an optional invite. Because what will happen is you then start seeing a lot of people in the meeting who don't really need to be there in the first place because they don't have any input to give because it's not related to them directly. And so you still end up with a meeting where half the people didn't say anything, not because they didn't have any input, but because it wasn't just directly related
1: to them to even give input in the first place. You're very right. And those are two big challenges of having too many people. Number one, you're wasting their time, not because they don't have great ideas, but because they were not applicable to this meeting. And number two, you can actually threaten the success and the value of that particular meeting. If too many cooks are present now, This is a very, very hard problem to solve because there are politics involved in who is allowed to enter certain meetings and who is not allowed to enter certain meetings. And so sometimes when you leave certain people out, they might feel, oh, maybe my team doesn't respect me, doesn't value me. So it's a very, very hard thing to navigate, especially in larger corporations. But in small teams like mine, a small startup, we can actually, as leaders, give that direct feedback. Not by shaming people, but taking them on the side, giving them the facts that, hey, there were eight people in this meeting, but only half of them spoke. Do you feel like we needed the remaining people for next time? That's a great way of giving someone feedback. Not by saying you did a bad job in inviting everyone. Give them the facts. Tell them about who spoke and who didn't speak. Those, that's a great way of giving feedback and that's the best way of making sure that we don't repeat those mistakes the next time. I agree with that and I also say that's one approach.
0: The other approach I was going to mention to that is I think we need to start normalizing people who are in the meeting who clearly are not required there and who clearly don't necessarily need to give input into that meeting to just drop off the meeting. And I think that's something that I saw and I read somewhere that that was one of like Elon Musk's like tips from an email that he sent to one of his companies about normalizing people dropping off meetings who clearly are not required there. And and that goes back to your point again, it may, it may, it may look rude or it may look disrespectful, but maybe there is a, a gap that needs to be bridged there. I don't know if you agree with that
1: or if you have any thoughts on it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because that's a wonderful tip. I have sat into meetings where I'm not required. People are speaking. I just want to leave, but I don't want to be disrespectful, right? And I don't want to cut them off. I don't want to interrupt this conversation that's happening and say, sorry. Sorry, people. I, I don't think I'm required. I need to leave. It's It's hard. It's hard to do that, especially when a rich dialogue is happening. So setting that expectation up front hey, team, if you feel there is a point where you need to hop off or you're not required for the meeting, feel free to do so. And I think that should be by the meeting host.
0: And that comes down to one thing, in my opinion, Danish, that comes down to company culture. What is your view on that? Because ultimately, it does come down to company culture, doesn't it?
1: It does. And that is why I said, Eric, that I'm not sure if some of these problems are actually solvable because it is deeply rooted into the fabric of the company. And when I say fabric, I mean the culture. Meetings are just a cultural tax a company has to pay to make sure its culture is sustained or to make sure that people are happy by the way they're continuing to do their own things. And I have talked to so many leaders who, who consistently say that they are aware of these challenges that they've given feedback on some of these things, yet they don't get fixed. And that is why I'm taking a stance that, imagine you have an unbiased technology that is auditing your meetings. That is saying, hey, everyone is not speaking in this meeting. Why wasn't Alice and Farhana given a chance to speak? Or why did Jack interrupt so many people? Or, the agenda was not set up at the beginning when there's an AI tool that can actually be giving this objective feedback or report again and again, I think that is the only way this thing can be finally solved after many, many decades. So again, technology
0: guiding where we going and once again, being the driving force to improvements being made in whichever area of business or technical. Thank, thank you so much. I'm really, really excited for, for what Ori is going to bring. And it actually was going to be my last question, but I think you covered it a bit earlier. But I just wanted to ask you, because you are the co-founder and CEO of Orai, and I may not get many chances like this again. <laughs> so I just wanted to ask you, what, what is the future? What is in the roadmap? I know you mentioned Ori for meetings, but is there anything else you'd, you'd like and can mention
1: for Ori? So when we started Ori, right? Our vision was to help people improve their communication skills. And that still stands three and a half years since we started. Initially, we were an app. We're still an app. So anyone who wants to improve their communication skills can go ahead and download the app. It'll give feedback on your ums and uhs, how fast or slow you're speaking, whether you're being too verbose, all of that. But now we want to take it even further. We want to be where you are speaking. We want to be like Grammarly. Where, wherever you're typing, you're getting feedback. Wherever you're speaking, Ori will listen and give you feedback. So that's, that's where the future is for Ori. That's really cool. I'm really excited to, to see that happen and to
0: follow it closely. The last question I have, and this one is for you, is Danish,
1: what's up and what's next? What's up? Life is good. Always have to be thankful of that. Anyone listening, Take a, take a breath, take a time out, and just be thankful for everything that we have and everything we may not have also. What's next? Well, hard work continues. Leaving this podcast, hopping on to my next Zoom meeting, because that's the world today, meeting after meeting, but definitely trying to practice some of the tips that we've talked about today.
0: Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure, a privilege and a blessing to have you here to share like your insights and your knowledge and your advice on the topic of communication, public speaking and how to have good meetings. Thank you so much for your time today Danish.
1: Thank you Eric for being a great meeting facilitator. This was a meeting I think also where you asked the right question and you steered us in the right direction. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if
0: you guys have enjoyed today's episode then please make sure to listen to the next podcast to find out what's up and what's next.